1: Welcome to Board Gamers Anonymous, the podcast about board gamers and the insane fun we have at the table together. This is Chris. And this is Anthony. And this is two podcasters that are not at Gen Con 2021. Yes. We like to thank everybody who is actually at Gen Con 2021, (laughs) but especially our Patreon backers. For helping us bring you a super excellent episode number 343. Alright everyone, we are back and we are in front of you live, again recorded if you're watching YouTube. So again, hey, good to see you all. Thanks for coming to YouTube and checking us out. But unfortunately, and I don't know how this happened, because Anthony said we were going to Gen Con and then said it was Gen Can't, which seems mean... Because now we have to do a podcast, and I, I was always going to see games today, but I don't know. The Fantasy Flight Report didn't really count as games, but I, I guess we'll get into that a little bit later, right, Anthony?
0: Yeah, it's a weird Gen Con. Uh, I, I honestly thought I would be disappointed. I thought we would get to this week, and I would be sad and have the FOMO and see all the pictures, and be like, oh, man, I'm missing out, and... Nothing hasn't changed my mind yet otherwise. <laughs> and I'm sure it's going to be awesome and everybody is there. And if you're being safe and healthy, good on you. But from from our end, watching announcements, which we'll talk about a little bit later. Mm-hmm. Eh. And, uh, you know, not, not a lot going on there. A lot of companies are not there this year for good reasons, obviously. But uh, it's not the full show that everybody's used to. So uh, sure. I, don't, I don't know how much we're missing out on. But I guess we'll talk about this week and next week about what we missed and what we didn't.
1: Yeah, I, I think that, as you mentioned it, this is weird, right? So for those of you who are not in on the convention circuit, Gen Con is the largest board game convention in the United States. It is usually held the first week of August, but but because of COVID, they decided to do everything, I, I guess, we I think it's fair to say a little bit later. So here it is in mid-September, and coupled with a lot of their, a lot of problems and coupled with holidays and coupled with COVID and everything else, football season, everything else that could possibly be a thing. Uh, Gen Con's happening. Gen Con's happening yeah. right now. I've been watching pictures, checking out Twitter and, you know, they're setting up, they're ready to go. Thursday is their big opening day and it runs until Sunday. And, you know, generally I really love Gen Con. I mean, it's a really great convention. It has pretty much anything you could want to buy in one spot. So as far as that's concerned, it's it's typically the best. Gameplay opportunities, not as awesome. But if you want a game, if you want the spectacle, if you want the attractions, it's Gen Con. That's diminished over the years for many, many reasons, particularly uh, Kickstarter. But still, it's the mother of all board game conventions Although we'll see how this year plays out in the United right. States.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's weird. Like this is the first out of the last seven years is the first one I've missed because there wasn't one yes. last year and I made it to the five before that. So not being <laughs> there this year, it, it's kind of weird, but I yeah. don't know. I'm, I'm going to be much more disappointed if I can't go to PAX since it's like four miles from my house in December. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, PAX, PAX has certainly become my favorite convention by far. Right. And, I would really be messed up if I couldn't get there this year. I mean, I, I do feel, I wouldn't say FOMO necessarily. I mean, a little bit of FOMO as I see a couple of pictures rolling in. But I actually do feel sad. I mean, I really, mm. it's been a really yeah. sad year. <laughs> so obviously not being at the convention kind of makes me sad. And I am actually kind of a little, you know, worried and weary and concerned for everyone there. So if you are listening to this while you're at the convention, dear God, please, absolutely please stay safe we really want to play games with you at the table at an upcoming convention or event and such like that so please stay safe don't take anyone's word for it just stay safe i'm just saying i mean even in a non-pandemic year people get sick in mass at these conventions right (laughs) on crud is a real thing my friends stay away clean your hands wear a mask i'm telling you you will thank us later
0: I will never not wear a mask at a convention again. Now that I'm like, oh, it keeps me from getting all the other sicknesses too. So (laughs) I've been at the five years I've been at Gen Con, I got sick three of them. I'm like, I don't want to do that. It's not fun to come home and have all these new games and then go lie in bed for two days.
1: Yeah, it really is a thing. And again, it's one of those things that people don't tell you. Actually, someone posted on Facebook, like what's the worst advice you've ever gotten about going to Gen Con. And obviously, you know, any level of personal hygiene is definitely a thing because you're touching something that everyone else has touched a hundred times over for the last five days. So please be safe, be clean, you know, and obviously drink, wa- drink plenty of water. Stay stay, yep. stay hydrated, <laughs> even if you're at home, just stay hydrated. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Life tip. <clears throat> so as be- has become an unfortunate tradition for many of us, Gen Con uh, has become Gen Cant, which means obviously we can't be at Gen Con, but we will still certainly be reporting all of the games and releases that are be coming up. Anthony mentioned that next week we'll be talking about a review of all the hotness, all the great games that came out to Gen Con. Uh, it's typically a pretty fun episode, especially I think this year it's going to be a great episode because mm-hmm. Gen Con usually comes out with like three or four kind of surprises. But since there's been no conventions, they've been pushed back. Kind of everything's a surprise. Even that the fact that the convention's going on (laughs) is a surprise. Right. So, yeah, I think that will be a great episode. Our feature review will be the Fantasy Flight Report, or the Flight Report Reaction. You're going to see Anthony and I react. And like this, and like that. Oh my god, (laughs) can you believe it? I mean, and again, if you've never been to Gen Con in years past, Fantasy Flight would do this thing called the Flight Report. And it was one of these things where they would get the biggest hall that they could get for this kind of presentation, fill it full of people, and their executives used to come out and they would promo and show pictures and videos and trailers and teasers and everything they could possibly think of on the screen. Now, Fantasy Flight was great because they had so many IPs Big IPs, fun IPs, that it was always such a great time. Everything was great. Everything was fantastic. Everything was so much fun. And obviously for many reasons that's changed. So right. that's kind of sad. But they still continue to do the Fantasy Flight report. They did it last year, which unfortunately went horribly bad. And they actually, I think they crashed their server If I remember correctly, or something
0: like that. Yeah. Yeah. You and I and and a friend of ours tried to watch it live and have a nice conversation. And I think it made it about five to 10 minutes in. And it crashed. And then they came back and we had a nice chat and it crashed again. And then they came back and we said, you know what? Forget it. And it was up. They did a recording and it went up maybe 12 hours later. And I watched it at like seven in the morning. And so their big surprise reveal of Descent, Legends of the Dark at the end was not very surprising nor very interesting because
1: it wasn't and, really live. Only, and they only showed the box
0: yeah so yeah, you, yeah you
1: didn't even up they didn't show they didn't even tell you or show you what was in the box what's in the box man i mean come on yeah. like <laughs> so what like, am i looking oh, cool, at consent. yeah i have no idea what this is it's yeah. a box i mean I think we should, we start <laughs> we just need to get boxes and just show random boxes. Like, oh look, this is a thing. And you're like, oh, okay, that's a thing. So <laughs> we will be talking about the Fantasy Flight Report reaction on our feature review. There is a bunch of different things that came out. I think you'll be interested in hearing that. And I and I'm sure that you'll be interested in hearing our outrageous hot takes on everything Fantasy Flight. So. That's going to be a thing in a few minutes. <laughs> <laughs> so with that said, obviously, that's a big part of it. Gen Con happening is a big part of it. Anthony, anything surprising coming out of Gen Con yet or just even surprising that Gen Con is actually happening? Because I think a while back, we never thought we'd see this day.
0: Yeah, I think that's the big thing for me. I I haven't seen any crazy big surprises coming out of Gen Con. Uh, none of the big games that I... I don't know. I haven't been paying as much attention as I would have liked. I'm starting a new job on Tuesday. So I'm like, I don't know, conventions. But it's, uh, for me, the big thing is just we're actually doing this. People are going. The pictures are up. They have a full convention floor. I've seen the map. It's full of of vendors. Uh, And, you know, everybody's going to be there in their masks. So it's going to be a little weird, probably. But it's, they're all going to be there, which to me is crazy, you know. And I was never going to go. Once they announced it, it was in September, I had, a hundred things going on in September. I knew I wasn't going to go regardless of the COVID situation. I do have two small children who are not vaccinated. So I wouldn't go anyways, probably, but it's just, I don't know. I want to see what happens. It's, you know, I'm I'm nervous for people. I'm excited for people. I'm excited for what's coming out. I'm also nervous that I might miss something cool. And it's, other than that, I, I don't know that I have a good sense of what it's going to be like, because usually we have a really good sense going into Gen Con, like what companies are bringing, what releases they're, they're going to be hyped up. But as we'll talk about in a little bit with the fantasy flight, we have no idea. And a lot of the big, big companies aren't even going to be there. You know, fantasy yeah. Flight's not going to be there among others. Um, so I guess we'll find out next week when we do our hotness. Uh, but you know, if you are there, obviously drop us a line, let us know what's hot and what's interesting and, Mm -hmm. what you're playing, (laughs) because I want to know.
1: Absolutely. So again, uh, be safe, be out there, enjoy the good times, and uh, hit us up. All right, Anthony, so that's what's going on with us in the news. Let's talk about what's going on with our listeners. What's our question of the week?
0: All right, yeah, question of the week is, uh, there's like a small stable of questions that I circle back to every few months, because they're fun, and we always get new answers from people. Uh, This is one of them. It is, what is the best game by your favorite designer and why? So not as what is your favorite game, not as what is your favorite designer necessarily, but what is the best game that that person has made? And specifically why because you know that's the interesting part, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to run through a few of these. Uh, lots of really good answers here. people really went into a lot of detail which is awesome. So we've have uh, AC Holt says Uve Rosenberg is a solid choice and Agricola would be the choice for that but he thinks that Shem Phillips is now his favorite designer um, because all of his games are consistently good and what he enjoys playing and paladins of the West kingdom is his favorite paladins is simply the strongest and most enjoyable um, from the actual choosing the paladin as such a great mechanic and just the engaging way to play overall. Uh, Let's see. We have Sam mentions great Western trail by Alexander Pfister, such a great mix of theme and mechanics You can mosey along the trail or hustle. It's your choice. So many options and so much fun. Uh, David, a good friend of the show here, mentions Cole Worley as his favorite designer. As much as most people would choose Root, he chooses PAX Premier 2nd Edition. Such a rare gem of a game. Loves the game so much, every game is quite different and produces some epic game moments. So we actually have a lot of answers here, so I don't have time to go through all of them, but just a few more people mentioned. Matt mentions Trajan from Stefan Feld because of the Mancala element. Absolutely, um, yeah. Scott mentions uh Castles of Burgundy as his top-ranked Feld, but he thinks that Bruges might edge it out as a game that, uh as a general package, is his favorite right, because right. of the unique yeah. artwork on each of the cards and just the tough choices with spending the money to move up the influence track. So I can definitely see that. Yeah. Um. Willie mentions uh, Fister as well and how Isla Skyless is, is his favorite because of how flexible it is. Cool. Um, and Eric says at the gates of Luoyang by Rosenberg. Um, yeah. Exclusively for the solo play, which I would agree with. It's not my yeah. favorite Rosenberg, but it is my favorite Rosenberg
1: solo game. It's definitely one of my favorites for sure. Yeah,
0: absolutely. So yeah, a ton of stuff here. I mean, I, my favorite designer is Vital Cerda and my favorite game of his is still the gallerist. Uh mm. I, On Mars is very close, number two, but the Galleries and maybe with the new expansion coming next year, it'll knock it off, but the Galleries mm-hmm. is still so sleek and smooth and beautiful to look at. Um, and I can teach it and play it in less than an hour with two people, which is just perfect.
1: Sure. Again, it's it's a really hard choice. And in particular, what really kind of pops for you might be a little different from each individual designer. I guess for me... Uh, My favorite designer running is is Vladimir Suchi, and Mm. he has a lot of great games. Historically, my favorite game from Vladimir Suchi has been Shipyard. It doesn't look like a game that would be my favorite, but the fact that you actually get to build up a ship, you really do. You get to put the pieces together, the people on the ship, all the different things that come on it. You get to sail the ship. Uh, you get these different Moncalas and and, and Rondells. It's probably the is probably the, the more correct way. The Rondells mm-hmm. that go along with this, uh, that's kind of somewhat standard, to, to, you know, um, stand the, the test of time. I guess the only other thing that I would point to would be obviously Underwater Cities. Right. Uh, one of the things that I really love about Underwater Cities is the fact that, and, and you could tell from the game itself, like, how you're able to build those card sets, how how much time and effort must have came into kind of building up those sets together, in order to create this wonderment of an underwater city that you actually, again, you know, somewhat physically build this kind of plan. So, like, as an architect, you have these little bubbles, these little domes, these these kind of tunnels, and the resources. It's just, it's, it really is, again. I mean, I love Terraforming Mars for so many reasons, but Underwater Cities is just a polished, great version of it, and you get to build your own little Underwater Cities. So for the pra- for the intense Euro mechanics, coupled with the real um, practical aesthetics and tactile feel of building both the ships up and the Underwater Cities up, I mean, those both those games are great. I, I haven't seen if I, I'm not really sure which one is really more of a thing for me at this point. I would love for, un, I would love for shipyard to get a maybe revision. Maybe it could be spaceships, spaceship shipyard or something like that. Uh, just because <laughs> I, I like that theme. I like sci-fi a lot more than just general shipyard. So, uh, shipyard, but with spaceships, I think that that would probably Ooh, do that would be it. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Very cool. All right, so if you'd like to join us on our question of the week, Anthony's posting questions week all the time, and we would love to hear from you. Facebook and Twitter is probably the best places to catch all the conversations that are happening, especially Facebook. But again, you can reach us through so many different sources. BoardGamersAnonymous.com is probably the best place to look, but we are on every podcast player possible including yelling at Alexa, and she will actually play <laughs> Board Gamers Anonymous podcast for you, which is so surreal, I can't begin to tell you. But again, we're on YouTube, where you can see us live and doing the things with our hands, because, you know, I'm from New York, I'm Italian, and that's what you do. You, throw, you do things with your hands. So uh, join us on the video version of this as well, and please subscribe on there. That really helps a lot as far as YouTube is concerned. All right. So that's everything that's going on with our listeners. Anthony, let's talk about the games that we want at the table. Obviously Gen Con seasons heating up. So what is it that you would like to get? And let's talk about our acquisition disorders.
0: All right. Yeah. So I had a game that is scheduled to come out. I think around Essen, but then I saw this one instead pop up and this one just jumped ahead of it. Uh, <laughs> so I'll talk about the other game next week. No spoilers. Um, this was just announced yesterday, I think. Azul Queen's Garden. That. Mm-hmm. Yep. So the fourth edition of Azul. Uh, we haven't had a new one in a couple of years. They had them like back to back for a few years. But Michael Kiesling took a break, I guess. He was tired. Um, <laughs> he had to count all his money. But uh, th- this new one takes place back in Sintra. So the, the King Manuel there has now commissioned someone to come and build a beautiful garden for his wife. And so instead of laying the stained glass or building these different tiles or creating a summer pavilion, you are now building a garden. So you're going to have different types of plants and trees and different ornamental features. And the, um, the tiles themselves are hexagons now instead of squares or little diamonds um, that they have been recently or triangles, maybe I think maybe in the summer pavilion. Uh, And, we don't know a ton more about that. It's still got the basic Azul drafting mechanic. That's what makes it Azul. Um, But again, you're going to be building a garden instead of, you know, uh, everything else. And I, I'm always like wary of these game series where they're like, here's a new version of the same game that you've already bought three times. And it's got a slight (laughs) tweak, but every version that they've released of Azul, I've liked, I like all three of them, you know, Mm -hmm. and there are, Two, probably that I play more than the the rest. You know, I, I prefer Summer Pavilion with gamer friends and I play the base game with my family, um, even though I do really like stained glass. But I do own all three of them. So I'm probably going to buy this anyways. Um, <laughs> 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 so they are saying uh, Spiel uh, as a release date, at least in Europe. I don't know here in the US when they're going to be able to get it over, especially with shipping issues. So sometime this fall, winter, um, I would imagine. But we have another version of Azul, so it is on the list, and I will almost certainly pick it up, because I love these games.
1: You forgot the uh, $300 version of Azul.
0: Oh. (laughs) I'm pretending that it doesn't exist, because I I can't be a completionist to that level. It's too much.
1: Actually, the stained glass is my favorite surprisingly enough that that's the one I like the best out of all three so mm. um, i own I own two of them. I haven't bought the third one yet, but I probably will once I get a chance to get back to the table. I'll be like, yeah, 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 I'll buy this. I keep waiting for them to do a just full out you know big box version of this, and we haven't seen that yet so uh I don't know if that'll ever happen, but if it does that'll also be nice. But yeah, the $300 version was crazy. And then people bought it and I was like, Hmm, still crazy, but yeah, <laughs> if you have it. That's, that's awesome. So, yeah. All right. So again, so much coming out of Gen Con and really at the moment is it's really like, cause again, we can't be there physically in person and there has not been The ability to get a lot of games sent to us, or a lot of games to the table, or a lot of opportunities to play things. Usually, at this point, September, Anthony, usually like we're just rolling in reviews, and now we're just rolling in just kind of announcements and teasers. So, one of the super big, I know for me at least, teasers that they put out, and there's not official rules yet because this is going to come out during Q4 of 2021. So expect to see it maybe around christmas time or thanksgiving time if if you know they want to hit black friday is seven wonders architects so i was like oh no like yeah i mean (laughs) super super huge seven wonders fan here i mean just crazy it's other than that one collector's edition as far as a straight board game is concerned i probably have bought more upgrades and promos and things like that for seven wonders than i have any other game so when i heard seven wonders architects i was like excellent i'm looking forward to add this to my collection now what's going on here is a little different because seven wonders architects is a family kid version of seven wonders it's not like a my first seven wonders necessarily But it is a very simplified, big-box store, get-to-the-family, I guess, 30-minute game. It still plays two to seven players. It's still a set collection game. It's a very minimized, minimal version of Seven Wonders, but there is definitely differences in gameplay. It's not just a smaller version or a simplified version. The only thing that is somewhat samey is that there's a $50 MSRP for it. So that was kind of weird because the photos they have and the little trailers that they have, it looks like, it looks like a very serious small box game. It does not even seem like the size of the box that the components come in. So I'm surprised that this game is not $30 or $25. It, It seems to be like something that you would make smaller, cheaper, and simpler so that more people would pick it up and just throw it on the table. Uh, Seven Wonders isn't hard to play. If you've never played Seven Wonders before, it's about building a civilization using card drafting and you know, it does take a little a little getting used to, but once you once you get through a first game, it's it's simple. I don't know why this is going to be simpler or easier. I get the idea that they want to approach a mass market kind of area that maybe the first Seven Wonders didn't, but to be fair, Seven Wonders has sold millions of copies and it is in big box stores. So I don't really understand this, but I'm a really big Seven Wonders fan, so I don't know if I could avoid not buying this. I don't know. If yeah, <laughs> I think that might be the thing.
0: Yeah, I I don't I'm not as big of a Seven Wonders fan as you, so I'm definitely going to wait and see uh what you tell me. <laughs> yeah. But it is interesting. I it is a very accessible game already, so making it more accessible I don't know what that means. I guess I need to know what that means before I could be interested in this. But I was very skeptical of Seven Wonders Duel, and that turned out to be one of the best games ever made. So who knows?
1: Yeah, it seems like there's... It's a little simplified in the way that you're actually physically building the Seven Wonder, like the pieces kind of build together. Like It's a two-dimensional flat object. It's no longer the board's it's actually like a pyramid. So you're putting the pyramid pieces together. And again, you still have the same set collection you do beforehand. So uh, I don't know if, how much simpler you can make it, but yes, yeah, Seven Wonders Architects will be hitting the big box stores at some point. So check it out. Yep. All right, so that's everything that we want to hit the table. Let's talk about the games that did hit the table and let people know if those games are buy and they should run and pick those games up. If those games are a play and they should down and play them, if those games are a dodge and they should avoid them, or if those games are in fact the dreaded burn and they should burn them because, let's be honest, it's been that kind of year. Anthony, what do you have out for us this week?
0: (laughs) All right, I have a game I picked up uh, last fall, actually, and it's never got around to playing it. Uh, Twa Dice. So, this is a dice-based game uh, of Twa uh, from Pearl Games and the design team behind Twa. It's not other designers, it's jardine Georgia Sin, or Bonn. And mm-hmm. it can be played solo up to however many players you want to waste player sheets on, right? It takes about 20 to 30 minutes. So it's it's not as quick and light as some dice games, but it's a lot shorter than some of these other big long dice games that have been coming out lately. Uh it is a roll and write, but with some tweaks to it. Mm-hmm. So what you have is there's a center. Piece in the middle of the table. Um, it has a little wheel that turns around it, and then you have nine little plazas, each of them representing one of the three colors of dice in Tois. Um, so you have sure. like the military, the merchants, and the church. I don't remember the exact names, but that's effectively what they are. <laughs> and each of those discs is two-sided, and so the way the game plays is over eight rounds. Uh, There's going to be a morning phase and a night phase. And so the the wheel is broken in half into morning and night. And then those are the four or five circles or discs that you're going to be placing dice on. And so you roll your dice. There's three clear ones and one uh, black die to represent like the invaders. And you're going to place them in numerical order on the side of the wheel that you're on. And then based on where you're placed, that's the color of the die and also the cost of the die. So Everything is communal. And that's why it can be played with one person. Um, those <laughs> four dice you put out, the black die is going to destroy that plaza for the round. It'll come back. And then after the third round of the game, it's going to start destroying stuff on your player sheet. So you're trying to work around that a little bit. Sure. The rest of the dice, all the players simultaneously choose which one they want to purchase. And then they're going to mark something on their sheet accordingly. So, Based on the number of the die, you're going to find the column on your sheet. And the first time you play, it's just going to be column one is one, column two is two, so on and so forth. But later on, they can be all mixed up. It just depends on how you want to play it. And then you're going to go to the color in that column and there'll be two options there and you're going to mark something off. So the options that you have are for the military side, you can build keeps and fortresses that block attacks. So if you... Build the keep in that particular column, then future rolls of that black die are not going to affect anything. You're not going to lose anything when that happens. So the more keeps you build, the more you protect, but the less points you're going to get from other stuff. So you got to be kind of balance it out. Um, on the yellow side of things, you have all these different bonuses. So those are going to be things like, based on the number of red dice that are currently available, you get this many coins or this many uh, flags or this many people citizens into your you know city. Um, On the church end of things, on the the white dice, the main piece that you're doing there is scoring objectives for the end of the game. Now there's a bunch of ways you're going to score, but this is the one that you mark off will correspond to one of the six different rows. It sounds more complicated than it is, but basically one of the chunks of things you mark off as, as you go through the game, you'll be able to score that. And the the more of those inks you mark off, the more points they become worth. The ultimate goal of all this is to circle the little citizens at the bottom of the um, game sheet. Uh, every citizen you circle is a point at the end of the game. It doesn't matter which one it is. But if you get columns of citizens all the way down, you're going to get various bonuses. So you want to try to balance it out so you have equal numbers of red, yellow, and white citizens. Um And that's pretty much it. You're going to do that 16 times. So, you know, twice per round for eight rounds. And ultimately, you know, you're going to have various extra bonuses you can use. You have money that you can use. Well, you'll have to use to buy dice. Um, You can also use it to change the values of the dice. Um, You can use your church points to change the color of the die. Um, You can change the, the, the actual location that you pull the die from. Um, There are like extra event tiles that come in for like the advanced game that you can throw in the game as well. And everybody does that. And like most Dice games, it's a matter of who did it the most efficiently with all of the same information in front of everybody. So if you like that kind of game and you like Twa, it's not too bad. I don't think it's a great representation of Twa specifically because one of the reasons that game is so good is
1: the <laughs> dice management
0: and the interaction with other players and trying to grab those different locations as the cards come out um that's not represented here at all like anybody can choose any die and then it's you just mark it on your sheet <laughs> you know everybody can do whatever they want it's a it's a solo game effectively um but if you like solo games and you like twa and you like this type of dice game it works It's definitely not the high end for me in terms of dice games. Um, I give it a light play. I'm okay owning it. I will probably play it again, but it almost certainly won't come out for multiplayer. Like if I'm going to play a multiplayer dice game of this threshold, I'll bring out like fleet or something. Um, And if you're already not a huge fan of dice games, you probably won't dig this game. It's, it's, it's more or less uh, it's familiar and weirdly overcomplicated in some ways. So Decent, not great. Solid implementation of Twa. If you really like Twa and you really like dice games, check it out. Um, Otherwise, probably not going to be your cup of tea. Specifically, Chris, you will not like this. (laughs) Um, (laughs) uh, But I think it's all right. I think it's all right. So uh, Twa dice gets a play from me, a light play. uh, And I'm happy to have picked it up. It's not crazy expensive. It's like $20, $30. So if if you have a chance to play it and you like that kind of stuff, give it a go.
1: Is it maybe even a little more correct to say that it's a roll and write, right? Just, oh, yeah, for
0: sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They didn't want to call it that, but yeah, it, it you're rolling dice, and there's like a whole board mechanism in the middle, which is a little more than a roll and write, but at the end of the day, you're writing down, you're actually, you're coloring in things on your sheet, but yeah, uh, it's, you're drawing on a sheet based on what the dice are.
1: Okay. Yeah, I mean, not a fan of rolling Wright, Not a fan of Trois. and so sure. And not not necessarily the biggest fan of solo games. I know you're you're like the solo master, but so yeah. I think I'm going to yeah. skip this. It has to be yeah, something no, like an epic level, mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah, and even for me,
0: like liking all three of those things. This one was like, eh, not quite a dodge, but not. I don't know. Like, if y'all know my review background and what kinds of games I like and the fact that I like all three of those elements I'm shrugging here so keep that yeah in
1: mind. <laughs> yeah. if you're shrugging then I'm that I'm burning so yeah yeah all right. probably I hear you all right well I want to talk about a, a revisit of a game our friend Tim asked that we go back a bit and revisit some games and obviously having the opportunity to play games online board games online in a real meaningful way has been fantastic and last week I talked about King of Tokyo and how that took me back to my early board game days at Myriad Games and how we used to play big competitions. And Richard Garfield really did a great job and a great design. So talking about games of that ilk, I wanted to talk about Bruno Cathala's and Charles Chevalier's game Abyss. Now, Abyss is probably best known for its cover artwork. This was the first time I've ever seen a board game be so bold as just throw a image of one of their characters on the box and nothing else no text nothing at all and it was a really kind of bold move and the artwork was fantastic in fact um, Xavier or Colette my favorite board game artist is kind of featured here in the best way possible and I just love all of these boxes this is It reminds me back in the day of being a comic book fan where they would just do variant covers. Like, if I had the means, I would have bought one of each box just to have the different covers there. I kind of lucked out. I got the one that I wanted. It was like the female with almost like the unicorn horn on it. And I was just like, oh, I, I got lucky. I just ordered the game online and I got the one I wanted on there. But that's kind of what it's really known for, I guess, in an industry that's so vast and big. But abyss itself has, you know, kind of still stood the test of time with a game that is actually something that, at least when I first saw it, I was like, "Oh, this is going to be everything." It's a euro game. It's set collection. It's bidding. It's press your luck. You know, it's it's a you know quick short time. Maybe it's an hour to two hours at the most. And I think you're even pushing it there. Maybe if you have, if you have some analysis paralysis, then yeah, that could hit two hours. But really, it's one of those games that you could just sit down, learn rather quickly in 15 minutes, and be able to play it forever. So Bruno Cathala again, we know Bruno Cathala from so many great games that we were just talking about. Seven Wonders Duel is fantastic. So, so many great games here. And really what this comes down to is that you are one of the kind of massive underwater kingdoms, these intelligent eight race of creatures that are bidding for power. And the board itself, again, is also a beautiful piece of artwork. It's this kind of Senate situation where there are these five different allies factions that you'll have an opportunity to recruit from. Uh, These are very important because these different allies or citizens here come from the different underwater sea races. Beyond the artwork, what was also really well known about this game was the components. This game actually came with these little black plastic cups that were looking, they looked like clamshells, and then white pearls inside the actual shells that actually were the currency in the game. So if you've never played the game before, it really comes down to a lot of purchasing and bidding for cards. So the pearls play a huge part. It was at, when this game came out, it was at a time where the big, fancy, kind of like full-featured games with all the, the best stuff in it, it really wasn't a thing, so... This came out in 2014. You didn't see pearls, like these plastic pearls, as money. But throughout the game, you are picking up these different ally cards in order to do a set collection. Because a set collection will be necessary because what's really going to score you points in the game is the Lord cards. These beautiful pieces of artwork that are in the game are going to give you different victory points based upon their special ability. And in some cases, they don't have a special ability at all. They just score you a lot of points. It will tell you, in order to recruit that lord, what number of allies and what you know value they are in order to recruit them. Now, again, recruiting allies is important because when you recruit allies, you're going to be able to score one of the allies. Typically, you know, unless you have a special card, it's going to be the lowest point ally in the game. The lords have points, and they're going to give you special abilities. But really where the game takes off is there are locations in the game. So if you're able to collect three lords with keys or collect keys separately, and again, there's a press your luck mechanic with this as well, you'll be able to get these big kind of block locations, kind of like Seven Wonders where it depicts one of the fantastic places in this underwater kingdom. You'll tuck the cards that allowed you to do that. They lose their power and special ability, but they're going to score you points throughout the game. These different locations score based on your lords, on your allies, a number of different conditions, both positive and negative throughout the game. In addition to that, you'll be able to play a little bit of a press your luck game to so that actually you'll be able to play different allies on the board that you and your and your competitors will be able to purchase. But every once in a while, there is a threat token. These threat tokens will give you an opportunity to pick up pearls, pick up hidden monsters that score you points, or again, pick up keys that will allow you to be able to get those different locations. The game itself is a beautiful game. It's primarily a set collection to the lords, to the the actual locations themselves, and then obviously having enough pearls to purchase what you need in certain points of the game. Generally, it's pretty easy, as I mentioned before. You are just basically taking the time to explore the deaths for the different allies, you're taking a look at the different you know, lords that are available, or you could actually pick support from the council. The council is where all of the allies go that no one really wants. Those are like the one and two point allies that kind of go down there. The game is fairly quick. It's on Board Game Arena. It's a lot of fun. It did not hit me as hard as I really thought I wanted it. I, I, I still love the game. I've picked up the expansions. still it is not the game that I thought I was going to get. It's a little wild. It's a little loose. It's a little obtuse. It's a little lucky based upon the cards that come out. So, oh, those lords are available, but I haven't seen any of those allies, you know, that can score, you know. So it's 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 a little bit all over the place, and it can have some wild swings if someone gets lucky and gets a location that really works best for them. But Abyss from Bruna Cothalla, It's definitely still a buy for me, both in the board game version and the online version. Check it out. You'll enjoy it. It's a lot of fun. Artwork, components, gameplay, really great game.
0: Yeah, I'm glad this hit Board Game Arena because it's a game that I played like two or three times when it came out. Mm -hmm. And I never owned a copy myself, but a lot of people did. And we played it a bunch. And I was like, this is good. This is fine. It's fine. Never really It didn't become like a regular for me, and it kind of faded away, and I forgot about it occasionally yeah. you'd mention the artwork when we talk about artwork or covers or sure. anything, but that'd be about it. But it being on board game arena, I have had a chance to play it several times since so I'm like, no, this is good. I like this. Yeah. It was, I don't, it's not the kind of game I personally end up buying. Cause I have a limited sure. number of those types of games in my collection, but I'm always happy to play it. So it's cool that it's out there now.
1: Yeah. And the game has gotten two major expansions, Le- Leviathan, is the most recent expansion, and it also had the Kraken, so you've got some kind of corruption pearls played into that version of it. Leviathan, I still have not picked up yet because the artwork is a little different, and I love the art. The, I mean, the artwork's still very good, don't get me wrong, but the game is not as heavy and complex as I really would want. It's a little too simplistic. The artwork pushes it over for a buy for me, and I still do love the game, so. Um, something definitely check out all right anthony so that's the games that are hitting the table and the tablet definitely check those games out and keep up with us as we keep up with the newest games that are hitting out there market so now on to our feature review so our feature review this week of course is the flight report reaction where anthony and i make all kinds of crazy faces that you will not see because you're listening to this on the podcast but nonetheless we will still make these funny faces because, you know, every once in a while someone watches on YouTube and it makes me laugh because <laughs> again, the fancy flight report was this epic consumer montage, like very 1980s like action movie montage kind of thing where it's like everyone was cheering and everyone has having the best time and it was, you know, Game of Thrones and it was Lord of the Rings, and it was Star Wars. It was just, everything was epic, everything was big, everything was fun, everyone was having the best time possible, and then something happened, and here we are. So Anthony, yeah. what happened, and where are we now?
0: Well, a few things happened. Uh, uh-huh, uh-huh. I mean, the most well, obvious things? is COVID. We got to give these guys the benefit of the doubt. This is a COVID Absolutely, year. yeah you know Bad maybe year. they have more stuff and they just they weren't ready to show it i don't know um Aww. but also asmodee happened also they split yes. off basically anything miniature based to another company did. so fantasy flight doesn't handle any of their own miniatures anymore so spoiler alert
1: none of that in here at all <laughs> so see that's my first reaction did you see that did you see it in yeah. the camera that was that was yeah. my reaction that was mm-hmm. my first reaction mm-hmm. to the report
0: all the people in the comments being like, "Where's the X Wing? Where's the X Wing? Where's, Where's Armada?" And I'm just like shaking my head the whole time, like they're not going to do it, guys. They sold it, <laughs> or they resplit it, or I don't really understand how yeah. that works—the corporate dynamics. But it's it's a very narrow slice of things that Fantasy Flight does now, right? They have yeah. Arkham, they have Terranoth, they have a little bit of Marvel, and they have yeah. Game of Thrones ish. Which is a thing not many people care about at the moment because the show kind of ruined all the goodwill for that.
1: So they did. And Keyforge.
0: Keyforge, yeah, which we'll get to that, but not really anymore. So it's. Oh, no.
1: Oh, no. Oh, no
0: uh yeah i this this was disappointing in a lot of levels if if nothing else because half of their announcements in the first 15 minutes were just like oh that's over we're ending that that's broken we're not going to do any more of that <laughs> it's
1: just, why would they those do that
0: guys are not announcements it's, it's so, not announcements
1: it's kind of like a suicide watch for their board games they're like and this is I never know. happening again this is never being produced again and this one has been lost to time and space and yeah <laughs> yeah
0: it was you know what it what to be fair to them though it most of those announcements were not like we're done with this it was there's a problem right now we'll get back to it later and they're like cool but why are you announcing that on your premiere announcement yeah. stream anyways i don't want to rag on them too much because obviously they went out there they put themselves out there and they tried they just it didn't work on several levels and we'll get
1: into all that okay So So Anthony, you and I sat through the flight report and again, we made a lot of reactions and a lot of funny faces that people could not see because again, podcast, uh, obviously they are releasing some games and obviously Asmodee is releasing some games, you know, that we would definitely be interested in, in talking about. So why don't you run us through the flight report in case people out there did not attend the live reaction and obviously did not download whatever they were downloading at the moment.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I took notes. Uh, we'll run through each of the things they mentioned and rough overview. Cause some of this stuff is more interesting than the rest, but uh, sure. they did kick things off with descent legends of the dark. That's their big $175 blowout board game, uh, which they claim is the largest thing they've ever made This coming from the company that made twilight Imperium. And I'm like, okay, sure. <laughs> Guess it's Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's Gloomhaven and Terranoth, so maybe it's bigger. I don't know. Uh, It's got the
1: most cardboard furniture I've ever seen in a board game. I mean, that's... I know. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And so they didn't really announce anything new. Uh, They just kind of teased a bunch of new stuff. So Act 2, they're going to have bigger miniatures and new stuff. And it's all like a single story that carries through. So again, Gloomhaven and Terranoth. They've announced, you know, kind of some novels and stories and books that are coming out. New miniatures and all that. But they didn't show any of it. In fact, there was like well, one weird moment on the stream yep. where they showed a giant miniature covered in a sheet, and he's like, "Look how big it is," and he put it next to another one, and then he didn't show what the miniature was.
1: And what I, are you going to spoil?
0: And, We're not going to know what that
1: is. Just show it to us. <laughs> and let's let's say Look, Anthony, the reason the reason why the reason for the disappointment is because Fancy Flight has been such a wonderful draw and and so many wonderful yeah. products. It's not out of hate, it's out of love. No, yeah. But I do wanna say I do wanna say one of the things. It wasn't a sheet. I don't I don't wanna overstate the, the the size of the miniature. He did hold okay. it in one hand, right? And it was like I don't know, a handcloth? Is that maybe more size appropriate? Yeah.
0: Yeah, like a washcloth. I I would yeah, say washcloth. eight eight inches tall,
1: maybe. It was big. I wish I wish it. Yeah, I wish it was a, a sheet, because I was just, <laughs> just like, something, give me some kind of... Like, that was Fantasy Flight was known for, was their great miniatures. Yeah. yeah In-game, so. and
0: it's just not a thing anymore. I mean, Descent is there, they, they're they talking about Act 2, they've got more stuff coming for it. But again, no real announcements yet. And, you know, to be fair, Legends of the Dark just came out like a month ago. So there's no reason mm-hmm. they would have new content yet, because it's a lot of content just came out. Uh, the next thing they mentioned was Keyforge. This was a funny one because they just put up a thing last week that said, effectively, uh, Keyforge is on hiatus because our algorithm broke. I'm doing air quotes if you're listening. Crazy. Um, and this is the new set. There's a new house coming, 11th house, the Equidon. It's a faction of merchants. Mars is coming back. We have no idea when it's coming. When it does come, we're going to try to do a digital version. So I don't know. I'm sure it's coming back because it made the money, maybe. I don't know. I don't know what algorithm broken means. It's such a vague <laughs> tech speak thing. That could mean like the guy who built it quit and we don't know how to replace him. <laughs> or That's it could mean like we've coded it wrong and then when we added new stuff, it doesn't work. I don't who knows what that means. So Keyforge could be back in six months, twelve months, two years. Who knows? Mm. I love Keyforge, but not having been able to play it in person in almost two years, I'm probably out at this point myself, and I think a lot of people are in the same boat, so when they do bring it back, hopefully they do a big relaunch, because otherwise, I don't think if they're just like, here's an expansion, I don't think it's going to do anything.
1: Yeah, understood. So, uh,
0: moving on, we've got A Game of Thrones, Betwixt. That was a fun name, Betwixt. (sighs)
1: I don't know. I don't know. I don't know why they went with a candy bar name for their board games. But <laughs> yeah, I think I, I, I'm still betwixt that they actually named that game that because I, I again, I'm sure they have a very good reason for it. But this just reminds me of so many board games that are, you know, at least titling that's too smart for for their own good. And I and I think the betwixt is is one of those things. You know, obviously, you you know, you mentioned KeyForge as as having some kind of internal technical problems. Maybe, maybe eventually an app will work for it, or maybe they could have said it was like the Mar- the Martians kind of messing with things because they're coming back. But this betwixt situation does not make any sense to me whatsoever, considering the fact that there's so much, so very much out there about this. I, I don't know. I'm betwixt, Anthony. How about you? <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah, and this is, again, and this is kind of the common theme through this whole thing. They announced this game two weeks ago on, sure. the, on their website, so we already knew a little bit about this game. You know, it's a three-to-six-player, intrigue-based game. You know, it, it gives you, like, a social deduction feel. The artwork is very nice. Uh, it's, very it's, nice. it's not, like, based on the show or anything. It's definitely, nope. like, a throwback to the, to the card game and the artwork that they do there. So I do appreciate that, especially for a smaller box game, because they've done a few small box games for Game of Thrones and they haven't had great artwork. Um,
1: Yeah. Uh, Let me, let me read the description here. Manipulate the tangled politics of King's Landing in this unpredictable power struggle of a Game of Thrones betwixt. In this fast paced card game of three, six players, you lead your house as one of the nine iconic conspiring characters from the song of ice and fire series. Use your influence to attract new allies and carefully navigate the other players' alliances, allegiances, as you strive to have the most powerful small council in Westeros. But some allies are shared between you and your neighbor, so beware, even your closest companions have other loyalties. Ooh, oh my.
0: <laughs> I mean, it sounds a little interesting, but it also sounds like a small, like a, a its filler thing, you know.
1: It's a very much a filler thing, and it, it almost kind of reminds me of like Love Letter, like almost like mm. an upgraded version of Love Letter, like where you have this card, but there's a rock, paper, scissor kind of mechanic, and like you said it's It's just not the big game that we had hoped to see. and I always find it weird too, like they talk about these games like it's fast to play as as if that is a something that we really want. Like I don't need to <laughs> sp- speed through my games. like how about a thoughtful game or you know a tentative or tense you know game? This seems like oh, this is fine. So yeah, I mean yeah, this is fine. This will be fine. I'm sure this'll be fine. It's yeah. weird, but it'll be fine.
0: It'll be fine. Yeah, it's but again, it's also information we already had. So, nothing new out of this. It's coming at the end of the year, maybe. He kept saying maybe because of the shipping, which Yeah. Not their fault, obviously. No. But they didn't have any hard release dates on anything. Look, um, man,
1: the only reason to the only reason to beat them up and blame them on these things is because Fantasy Fly has been such a historically amazing company. So, yeah. you know, it's it's just hard to see the, the great icons here, but there's games. For sure. There's still games to come.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So moving down the list, we have a couple other things that they'd already announced. Unfathomable, mm-hmm. which is the Arkham version of Battlestar Galactica that a lot of people are very excited about. Mm-hmm. I, I wish I could just get Battlestar Galactica, but I understand why people love this. Um, it's been delayed. Sure. It was supposed to be out this month. It's coming out October or November now. That's all they said. Mm-hmm um lord of the rings journeys of middle earth the spreading war expansion that is coming sometime later this fall as well it is the last expansion for the game and mm-hmm. maybe there's some small content coming after that but they didn't announce any of that um they said it was always planned as a trilogy i don't think they ever said that but sure uh-huh. why not i mean i'm happy if they end it because it's a lot of content and i will play it all but it's uh it seemed abrupt i don't know sure Uh, jumping into the LCG stuff, there's three big ones, obviously. So Arkham is where they let off. Um, and I don't think there was a whole lot new here. So there's a standalone scenario that they're releasing. That's kind of like a time travel thing. Like you said, it was like a time stories kind of a approach. The machinations through time, right? So you're jumping back and forth between three time periods. Uh, not a lot of information on that. Other than that, there's time travel so sure i don't know that's fine uh we already knew that they were repackaging the old content into full sets that's been rumored um so we have the the re-release of the core set which has already happened but then they're also doing the the next set is you have the player cards and the scenario cards in two full boxes so you get all the content for a year all at once instead of buying the packs every month yeah which I think it's cool because I, I hate having to chase those things down every month if I don't have a subscription sure. somewhere, which not a lot of places offer. Um, they're also going to repackage the old stuff, including Dumb Witch Legacy starting next year. So
1: if you don't have the old stuff,
0: I have all the old stuff, so I don't care. But, you know, if you don't.
1: I find it weird that they, and again, this is so much, you know, based on your bandwidth. Like we talk about subscription models. They should have just do, honestly do a subscription because you know, so many people, myself included, would have just bought a subscription and get the things mailed to us. Because, you know, considering that how so many of the local family game stores have gone out of business, if not for COVID, but all across the way, um, I would have bought this straight up separate. And I guess the other thing too about COVID that we've seen is that a lot of the publishers did report that what games sold best were not the new games, but the kind of like classic games. So it makes sense that this would come out in the way it came out. So yeah, makes sense. And obviously Amazon, right. We should also mention Amazon.
0: Yeah. 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 Those little packs are not, those are designed, I think for friendly local game stores. Cause they put them on their display. You see them all, you pick them. If you're buying yeah. all your stuff online, there's no reason to do it that way. So yeah. And it's more sustainable. Like, so good on them. There's not all that plastic packaging everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, it all comes in one big box. So sure. It, it's, it's, more streamlined. I, I don't have a problem with it.
1: I'm probably not going to
0: nope. continue with Arkham. It gives me a good stopping point because yeah, yeah. I'm in on Marvel now. But for those people who want to go back, <laughs> it's a good chance to do it.
1: Until the crossover happens, right? One of those what if what if boxes, like what if they crossed over? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I'd have to buy that. Mm-mm. There you go. <laughs> um,
0: so they also went back to Lord of the Rings LCG. And mm-hmm. they talked about, you know, it's been around for 10 years. It's kind of the precursor to Arkham. And so they're doing a revised core set in the same model as Arkham. So it comes in the same shaped box as the Marvel box, which mm-hmm. has everything you need to play one to four players, which is always a big problem with Lord of the Rings, is that that base box only has enough for one to two players if you want to play more. And it's not designed as a solo game out of the box. It's really like a two-player game. Um, mm-hmm. Now you can do all of it out of the box, right? um they're also adding campaign content to everything all the old stuff so all the like the campaign model that they have in the saga expansions that's going to be in all that stuff and then they have the repackaging of old stuff as well but not all of it just the stuff that they think is good so we don't know what that means yet but um lord of the rings is amazing it's one of my favorite games it's really hard to find the old stuff really really hard arkham you can find almost everything they reprint it often enough lord of the rings they repre- reprint each of those cycles like once every year or two, and they sell out instantly. They're really hard to get. So I'm happy they're doing this. Excellent. Uh, Marvel, not a lot. They said they've got a vision pack coming, which everybody knew was coming because they already have Wanda. So yes. that's coming. And then the the next big set is the Sinister Motives. So we got Spider-Man stuff coming. Sinister Six. Um, mm-hmm. Mad Titan has been delayed a long time. It was supposed to come out last month and I still don't have it. So I, I'm guessing next month at this point. Um, so I would guess the Spider-Man stuff will come out sometime next spring would be my best guess. They didn't have a date, yeah. but the the Guardians of the Galaxy stuff came out in March. So probably around then, I would imagine.
1: Yeah, Miles Morales and uh, Spider-Gwen or Ghost Spider, another way. Oh, yeah. Uh, so yeah, some different characters there. And it looks like some new artwork, which I'm really happy about.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. They've been playing with the artwork a little bit in some of the recent stuff, but this looks like a, a really big departure, which in a good way. So, yeah, okay. no, I,
1: I, I, that was one of the things that was kind of bumming me out was I, I really wasn't, the artwork didn't really hit me. This artwork right. gets me a little bit better. Mm-hmm.
0: Cool. Yeah. And Spider-Man on top of that, which is great. Oh yeah. Um, Cause there's not, there's Spider-Man and Spider-Woman and I think that's, and Green Goblin and that's the Spider-Man content we have right now. And so exactly. I want all the other Spider-Man content. Give me give me Miles Morales. Give me Spider-Man 2099. Give me Spider-Ham. I don't care. Give it all to me. I don't care.
1: I would assume um, so, yeah.
0: Yeah, that'll be fun. So uh, that's all the LCG stuff. Not a ton. Um, they did mention... So they started to mention Twilight Imperium because next year is the 25th anniversary.
1: But mm-hmm. then all they really <laughs> mentioned
0: was the uh, graphic novels and comics that they're working on with Simon that's coming on Kickstarter at some date in the future. Sure. Okay. I don't care. I mean, I'm sure a lot of you do care. I'm sure it's very interesting lore. I, but you know, give me more games in that universe, you know, bring back Rex, do stuff like that.
1: It's really weird that they, again, it, it's weird because it's not that this is not good content. I mean, if the stories are good, right. I'll be happy to read them and I'll be jumping on board. But let's be honest, we're here for the board game. So it seems weird that you would kind of feature it that way. I I would just, I would throw that in as like a bonus. And again, I know, like you said, Anthony earlier, they're not dealing with the miniatures anymore. And I completely understand that, but I would have loved to seen anything at all, as far as even if it was miniature collectibles from the, you know, TI four, I would love if there was a game, of course, that was miniature based from TI, but Even if it's just the miniatures. I mean, they have the models and stuff like that. It's like, here's the backstory. Like, uh, I don't know. Not really a backstory guy when it comes to board games so much. But I do read the flavor text. So I don't know.
0: Right. Yeah, it was disappointing. Because I thought they were going to do more. Just the way they presented it in the show. (laughs) And then they just didn't. And then it just moved on immediately. And they're like, oh, also we're doing merchandise. So we have fan websites up for L5R at Lord mm-hmm. Legend of the Five Rings, Arkham Horror, Twilight Imperium. I'm like, I mean, cool. I will buy a Twilight Imperium t-shirt. That's great. But I want some more games. <laughs> so um, to be fair, again, at Dave the end of that. that
1: first.
0: Yeah, I know Dave, Dave was on it. He, he knew this was big and it was coming. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that was pretty much it for the game stuff. They, they kind of, that was about 25 minutes of that. They jumped into a whole segment with Nate French, the original designer of Lord of the Rings uh, Living Card mm-hmm. game. And he talked about the R&D focus of the company and kind of gave a walkthrough of how that's working. You know, like the design sprints, the longer sessions they're running, the cross-disciplinary teams that they're putting together. And from a purely like structural data nerd perspective, like part of me was like, this is really interesting. But from the media board game consumer perspective i was like why are you doing this to me <laughs> like, yeah. why is this on this particular stream and it's you know yeah. obviously they're elevating french and they're elevating that team which is great and hopefully mm-hmm. a lot of really good games come out of that down the line but they didn't have anything to announce so
1: no I don't but know. that was the that was the problem too i actually felt bad for him because it was yeah. like it's announcements about things that are being released and here you're bringing in your R and D guy and you're like, all right, cool. So they're released, you know, R and D did something amazing. Can't wait to hear it. And we did not hear it. Yeah. Um,
0: What's the thing is like, I would watch a documentary about the R and D process that goes into building like an iPhone, right? Like I want to know how that happened, but I wouldn't want a 15 minute segment in the middle of an Apple launch event about (laughs) the development of the iPhone. I just want to see the new features of the iPhone. It's a separate yeah. thing, right? And you're not going to have the audience if you separate it out. I understand that. But it was just weird. And It was weird. I, again, a lot of people were really into it. I saw the chat. Some people were really bored. Some people were really into it. But just, it was totally weird to put that in there at all. So, I don't know. Good on him. Good on them for being transparent. But it, it was just kind of almost like filling time because they didn't have much else to announce, which is unfortunate. Mm -hmm. so they left us with a mic drop an actual physical mic drop and the microphone broke so never a good sign um so if you watch the chat throughout the show people were like they mentioned various different things one thing that gets mentioned and has been for a couple years is star wars outer rim which is a game they released uh i guess three four years ago now Mm -hmm. and like most fantasy flight games board games, when it's first released, it's a little thin on content, and it needs an expansion. They almost all need expansions. Fallout got oh. better with an expansion. Um, Civilization and New Dawn got way better with the expansion. These are all games where like, you look at it and you play it, and you're like, it has potential, but it needs an expansion. And then Outer Rim, there's like, nothing. You didn't hear anything. So they have an expansion. That's great. It's an interesting thing. It's not a mic drop moment, though. <laughs> like
1: It is uh, not. Like,
0: If you're going to show Star Wars, like you got to, I don't know. I played that game. I didn't love it. I didn't hate it. I don't know that I would have loved it more with an expansion, but it's just, it's not what I was, it's not what a lot of people were looking for. A lot of people were very happy about that, and I'm glad for them, but I just, I wanted something new. There was nothing new in this whole stream.
1: Yeah, I, again, I I understand completely that there is obviously limited money, time, and and technology available with all of the things that are happening. So I feel bad for the people that have to go up there. I I, I guess overall, my my general disappointment was the fact that we really didn't get a, a long peek or look at exactly what they were showing. It was a kind of a split second here and there of different arts and things like that so uh, at least on that end i was a little disappointed i guess the mic drop moment i guess anytime star wars comes out i get it that that could be right. something that's mic dropping me or lee or however you want to take that mic drop but it's, it's at the same time again it's an expansion and yeah. it's it's been a while I, I mean i i don't know like again it's so hard. I mean, I feel bad. I, I don't. I don't want to berate or belittle the the things that they produced because, again, like Fantasy Flight has been a solid company, you know, as far as their productions each and every year. But um, it's just depressing, to be honest with you. I, th- I think you know coming to it has just been depressing. Um, and I, and again, I think they could upgrade it just by showing more of the games or more of the content or just leaving it on there or not making such a big thing about certain things because. Um, I still do think that they have good stuff coming out, and I'm, you know, I'm looking forward to some of the games that, you know, again, at least even if they're a version or reprint. Like the Betwixt thing is probably not a thing. The Lord of the Rings thing is fine, you know. Everything that they're doing with Arkham Horror is always great. They're on the point with that unfathomable. Will be great that so many people will get that mechanic to the table. I don't know if it'll be as big. It can't be as big as BSG, but. You know, it's a thing. So they're just they're producing more, right? You'll get more Marvel stuff and more of the stuff that they have. They still have license for. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, that's fine. It's fine. I mean, it was fine. know.
0: yeah, there just was nothing new, and that's kind of what we come to expect from Asmodee in general, right? Like Z-Man puts out pandemic clones, and Fantasy Flight puts out new LCG packs and re skins their old games, and it's yeah. That's where the money is. That's what video game companies do. It's what movie studios do. So of course it's what the big board game studio would do. It's just, I hope that the R and D thing, I guess that's why I was interested in that is I hope that leads to more exciting, interesting, new things. Like it doesn't have to Mm. be new IP, although that'd be amazing, but just new mechanics, new ideas, something right. Because it's, it's gotten a little stale from our big, big companies in the last few years. And all that does is it pushes all the ingenuity onto Kickstarter and it's all from mm. smaller companies, which is fine and it's great, but it really funnels down how the, how the industry works. You don't have a big studio working on creative new IP. Um, yeah. At least not one that's not funding it through Kickstarter, which you we've been over this a hundred times on Kickstarter, but like if it's on Kickstarter, you got to worry about all the extra expansions you can't get and all the extra miniatures that the game doesn't really need and all the tacked on stuff yeah. that isn't play tested you don't get the streamlined, carefully designed experience that a Fantasy Flight used to put out. And that's, yeah. I don't know, it's disappointing to me. So hopefully, I hope it's not dead. I really do. But the last couple of years have been disappointing, to say the least.
1: I think one of the other things, too, we, we didn't mention that was a mainstay for Fantasy Flight was their, the games that they used to, the organized play, Right at the different game stores, Uh fancy flight used to do a good thing with that, especially with the miniature games that they used to have in play. And if you go listen back to a bunch of episodes or a bunch of gen cons, like how those things kind of fell apart. But I think that was a sad thing too, because we, we talked about earlier, like, or I talked about earlier about the local friendly game stores and, and how you could kind of get those packs and, or not get those packs. It's, it's a, it's a radical, it, you know, it continues to be a radical change in the, in uh, board gaming as we move forward. So how things are marketed, how things are sold, how things are, you know, purchased or played or got to the table and things like that. And obviously the, the the companies are the chicken and the egg, it comes from them as far as, you know, causing that, but it also comes back on them as far as what they're able to announce as epic mic drop kind of things, which is just an ex- a simple little expansion to a Star Wars board game is not a mic drop moment by any stretch of the imagination. No. Though, in a normal there's... year, in a, in a normal time, in a, in a time long ago, a time yeah. of myth and legend. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, they made a lot of people very happy, and I'm glad for those people. And yeah. I hope the game is better, because when I played it, I was, I mean, I gave it to you, I think, because I just was not you did. interested in it. Yeah. Uh, I haven't played it good, yet, so I'm And you get it, to... and we'll play it, and we'll love it. But sure. at the moment, meh.
1: All right. Well, there is our reactions, a lot of facial reactions, a a lot of moments. And, you know, again, Fantasy Flight, putting out their report. I always love the fact that this is a public report. Sometimes when companies put their stuff out, it's usually hidden behind endless numbers of, you know, websites and screens and corporate reports and things like that. This is front and center and it's made to be entertaining and fun. Uh, obviously, I wish there were more games. But again, all the companies are playing things safe right now. So maybe in the future. Maybe in the future we will in fact see something a little more dramatic. Things change a little bit. Things open up a little bit. Asmodee um, makes some moves and some decisions. And Fantasy Flight, you know, which obviously in some cases has lost a lot of their properties and stuff. Um, maybe something big is coming. Who knows? Marvel, their Marvel IP. Obviously, they're not producing giant big games, but Marvel is blowing up everywhere possible. Lord of the Rings is going to be much, much bigger once it you know hits yeah. Amazon. And obviously, Arkham Horror has been talked about to be on Amazon, plus also it's going to be everywhere. So the fact that they're doing store merchandise means that they are certainly trying to push the IPs to a larger market. So... By all means, it's possible that one day we might see these things out there um, in other areas. So looking forward to it. Hope it gets out there. Hopefully, um, again, everyone has a great time at Gen Con. Hopefully you get those games to the table. And I guess until next time, this is Chris. And this is Anthony. And we'll save you all a seat at the table at Gen Con 2021! (laughs) Take care, everyone. Stay safe. Peace.